What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Just Breathing. I hope you're all doing well today. Um, I am coming to you from my living room, and I'm not going to be talking too loudly because everybody else in my house is asleep right now, and I don't have the best soundproofing in my house. So, um, hope everybody's doing good. Hope everybody's having a great week so far. I plan on coming to you more regularly from this spot, from my studio, um, and just talking about life, talking about culture, talking about things that are important to me and hopefully important to you. Uh, Tonight, I just wanted to talk for a little bit about something that I found interesting, if you don't mind. I shared this on my social media recently because I just thought it was really profound. And I don't like to get too deep into like politics and to right versus left dynamics and stuff. But I do like to get into the things that government is doing either when they're doing something that's just ridiculously bad or ridiculously good, the ridiculous in a good way. And one thing that I I saw recently on the news that I just really wanted to highlight because I think more people need to know about this so that they can advocate for it, is um, the introduction of the first bill criminalizing non-consensual sexually explicit material. And what that means is basically people against their will, either because they're a child, because they're underage, because they didn't know that they were engaging in something that was going to find its way onto the internet. um, That happens to them. And once that happens to them, that material's out there on the internet forever. Unfortunately, there are laws in certain states where you can take legal action against the person or companies that put that material, that sexually explicit material on the internet of you. Um, Especially if you were a minor, they can kind of, you know, have legal grounds to go after those people. But for the most part, it's extremely difficult to take major legal action to get all of it removed. Because you you know the internet. As soon as something goes on the internet, especially YouTube, like if something's really big, like Joe Rogan experience, if something, if he puts something out, I mean, this is, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. So Joe Rogan used to do live streams on YouTube and then he stopped. And the reason that he stopped is people were so fast (laughs) at saving his live stream and then re-uploading it and getting tons of views, thousands of views from the re-uploads of his live broadcast before he could save it, clip it, and put it out for himself. So he was essentially losing ad revenue. He was losing views because people were already putting this material up and watching all of the clips so they didn't go to his page for it. So it's a big problem, and it's the same thing in the porn industry in, in where people are being sexually exploited and and that material is being saved and shared onto other platforms and other places and with other people. So it's incredibly difficult for that to get removed completely from the internet. So essentially, you something happens to you against your will, 
gets put in front of millions of eyes and you have no legal basis to fight and take the people down that are doing this to you until something like this law gets passed. So I just, I wanted to just read a couple of things from it that I found really interesting and informative that I wasn't really aware of. So let me just see. I'm sorry if I have the sniffles. Everybody in my house is sick. I'm trying to keep it at bay right now. I still got the sniffs. Um, let me see. Oh, here it is. Yeah, this part was mind-blowing to me. Listen to this. According to the bill, reports of child sexual abuse material grew from 3,000 reports in 1998 to more than 1 million in 2014. So, I mean, you that's a big time period. Uh, so maybe you can understand the jump. I don't think we should be able to understand that jump, but it's there. And then, but just from 2014 to 2018, which is a smaller jump, it grew from 1 million to 18 million. That's crazy. So you had, you had a, let me see, you had a 17, uh, basically with the 400,000, you had an 18 million number of reports that it spiked in that year. It gets crazier, though, because the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children reports more than 29,300,000 reports of suspected child sex abuse material were recorded in its cyber tip line in 2021, marking the highest number it has received in a single year. Oh. And unfortunately, a lot of these reports are coming from the people that were actually exploited by having this material uploaded to the internet. It's not usually, I'm sure you can get some reports by just people watching porn and coming across this and being like, ooh, that's not okay. Uh, And kudos to them. I don't know how you got to that originally, but kudos to you for reporting that if you did. Uh, but most of these are coming from the actual people who were victimized and who had this material uh, put on the internet in the first place. And it's like I said, it's extremely hard, um, sometimes impossible in, in current circumstances to ever get that removed completely. Because you have to think about the, the internet. It's an international uh, conglomerate. I can't think of a better word than that. It, it, it's so far-reaching uh, and and so many countries are involved in the distribution and creation of material now, especially in high value trades like pornography. You have so many countries in on the porn industry because it's it's a multi billion dollar industry, which is a whole conversation in and of itself. I kind of wanted to just focus on this bill because I think it's something that there's not many things that I, I care to get behind in, in government um, or in legislation because most of it is so jam packed with 
um, just other, I would, I, there's a word for it, but the other stuff that senators throw onto the bills before it passes so that they can get their constituents happy with the little things that they're throwing into these bills. And it's so bloated from these types of actions that you never get just a clean bill where something that they set out to change or fix actually gets done because it, it included so many other things. Um, so you didn't actually put all the resources and funding into that one thing that you wanted to deal with and that maybe had public support behind it because you had to divert some of those funds to these other pet projects that other people were throwing into the bill in order to say, you have my vote if I can put this in the bill. I know that's politics. I know that's government and all that type of stuff, but it's it's cronyism, in my opinion. Um, I think this, though, if if people had a heart, if people had a conscious, a conscience, if people had any semblance of leadership abilities and mindset in government, they would leap on this and get this passed as soon as possible. Uh, and like I said, I don't say that about most bills. I like slow government. I like the molasses. I like the malaise. I like the inability of government because I think most of the stuff that they introduce is whimsical, very little forethought has gone into the construction and creation of a lot of the legislation that gets put onto the floor for debate. And I'd rather most stuff not get passed. And I'd rather it take a long time for all of that stuff to get through. Um, and only the best stuff, only the stuff that the public is like, no, we need that now that gets through because then it's the will of the people, which is literally why those representatives are placed there in government to represent the people. Is the populace always right? No, no, they're not. And, and so there, there does need to be not harsh. What's the right word? Hard debate. There needs to be, uh, uh, strenuous. I'm trying to think of a good word for that, but there needs to be a lot of debate that does happen around some issues that are difficult, that maybe the public feels like, I don't really have a say in this because I'm not really dealing with this, but maybe it's the plight of a, a, a minority of the people, but it's a big deal. And and this might feel like that. I mean, 29,000 or 29 million reports is way too much. But in a country of 350 million people plus, maybe it feels like a minority still. It shouldn't feel like that because of the context of it. But maybe people still feel that way. I think this is something, though, that kind of has risen to the level of need beyond that of ability to just kind of say, it's not my problem. I haven't dealt with it because it could be your problem. Unfortunately, so but yeah, there's not too much else in this article that I wanted to to kind of focus on. I feel like there's a kid right outside the door over here. Is there a kid? 
No, I think I'm being paranoid. All right. But yeah, if you want to go look this up, so the senator that introduced this bill is uh, Mike Lee of Utah. And so it's called the Protect Act. Uh, so if you want more information on that, you can go look that up. The prevention, so it's it's the Preventing Rampant Online Technological Exploitation and Criminal Trafficking Act. That's pretty cool. It's good. I like I like acronyms. Those are it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. It actually like paints the issue pretty well. So that's cool. So the Protect Act is what you need to look up if you want to see more information on this, but. Um, you know, Justin, the, the reason why this came to this Senator's attention just for some kind of history and context for this bill. So Utah law enforcement were reporting a 600% increase in cases involving child pornography and sexual contact with minors since 2020. I'm not going to make this about COVID, but when you lock people, especially men, especially young men, in their homes for two years and people lose their jobs, lose the desire to want to work again, and you make pornography so accessible where, where it's, it's just so easy. To on your phone, on your tablets, on your computers, on your TVs, everything, access this material. You're going to see this type of percentage increase. I didn't say a hundred percent increase. I said a six hundred percent increase in explicit material involving children. That's incredible. That's not a minor increase. That is exponential. And it's only two years ago. This was reported in 2020. I don't know what it is now. Maybe it's decreased as people have started getting back out there and getting into the workforce. But a lot of times pornography is habitual. So if you started, maybe they weren't addicted to pornography, but then during the pandemic got addicted to pornography. That's a habit now. And that's a hard thing to break. Um, I've never been addicted to pornography. I've looked at pornography and it is difficult to overcome that that pull to go back to it to overcome that that i don't know i don't know what the uh, there's so many things going on there's dopamine releases and and all of those factors in play the the biological factors in play but then there's just the mental battle um that you have to get through. And then there's the spiritual battle you have to get through because um, you are sinning while you're looking at pornography. And, and people are like, what? How's that sin? I'm not hurting anybody. Um, yeah, but you're hurting yourself. And, and even self-inflicted sins are possible. So uh, you are sinning. You are, you are looking lustfully at another person. Especially if you're married, that's not your wife. And um, yeah, it's a difficult thing. So if you get into 
a regular habit where you're looking at pornography every day, uh, like in everything in life, when you do it consistently, it becomes habit after a certain period of time. I think, I think it takes 30 days to break a habit, but it's much quicker to um, form habits, in, in my understanding, especially ones that are so uh, dopamine, um, like they, they, they have such a, a tie to dopamine release biologically, it, like a drug, you're going to get hooked faster to that, to that thing. And so I, I can only imagine that there are millions, millions of men and women that became addicts of pornography over this lockdown and pandemic uh, season. And I'm not a pessimist. I believe that there is freedom from that. I definitely had times where I struggled much more with pornography and was able to get freedom from that. Um, so it's possible. It's something that takes accountability and takes um, safeguards put to be put in place. For me, it, it took a spiritual transformation, a uh, spiritual, you know, turning around. Um, I mean, that's the definition of repentance in the Christian, Judeo-Christian understanding is, is repentance is turning from the thing that you were doing and going the opposite direction. Um, and I had to do that in my own life when dealing with that and when, when trying to be free from that. And then there's a process afterwards of the trauma that you took in. Um, and, and it is trauma. Uh, because it's something that you can try and wipe out of your brain, but it's there. And you're going to bring it into your relationships. You're going to bring it into your marriage. And you're going to bring it in uh, through the rest of your life. And you're, you'll have to work and create new pathways in your mind to kind of suppress and get rid of this material. Um, so it's tough. It's tough. And I, I, I say all of this and bring all of this up to just say, I understand, and I'm not condemning anyone that may be listening to this that has partaken in maybe the the exploitation of children um, through online material. Um, maybe you didn't know it was a child. Maybe you didn't know the person was underage, all of that type of stuff. I'm not condemning you. I, I really want you to just join me in this fight against the thing that hurt you and did damage to your mind and did damage to your soul. And I think, I think that's really where men, you know, we've, we've lost a lot of masculinity in our culture. We've lost chivalry. We've lost the right perception and, and, respect that we're supposed to have for women in our culture. And I think one of the things that we can do to rectify some of that loss and turn it around is to start fighting for women and for those that have been victimized and exploited by men. 
um, we do have a job to do and, and that, and, and we are warriors. We are fighters. We are brave, courageous beings. And we were created that way on purpose for a purpose. And I think one of those purposes is to fight against, um, those that are enslaved to fight for freedom, to fight for those that are being exploited and to protect those individuals. I think all of these are ingrained and actually are, are so much more of who we're supposed to be and, and will be the fulfillment that we're actually looking for when we're looking at pornography than that outlet. I think if we take up the man, uh, take up the fight for this type of stuff, we'll find way more release and we'll find way more uh, empowerment than we will through a thing that we know is killing us. That's killing our, our reproductive processes and, and testosterone and, and all of these you know, damaging effects that pornography is having on us as men. Um, this fight is, is something that we can really step up in and, and I just think we need to, I think we need to. So yeah, it's hard, man. It's really hard. But I think it's, I think it's where we need to go as a culture. I think more people are becoming aware of the problems. They're becoming aware that earlier and earlier in life, boys and and men um, aren't able to have normal puberty and aren't able to have normal sexual experiences because of the addictions that they have to pornography. And, and we hear these stories and we're like, well, I don't struggle with that. So it, it's somehow not relevant or not real. I just don't think we're supposed to ignore that type of stuff as men. I think we're supposed to run towards the battles. I think we're supposed to run towards the things that are scary. And I think that's scary. We don't like to acknowledge that this is a issue. This is a big problem. And it's up to us to fight. It's up to us to protect. It's up to us to eradicate evil. And most of the stuff happening in the porn industry is evil. Uh, even if you don't believe that pornography is morally wrong and and you're, you know, you have a right to your opinion, Um most of the practices in that industry are evil. Uh, if you've never looked into uh, sex trafficking and the amount of people online that are being trafficked through a lot of these um, websites, you know, even even websites like Pornhub, um, yeah, that would be a good place to start to start educating yourself on some of the problems that exist in this industry, which I mean, I'm sure you can imagine, I'm sure you're smart enough to imagine that some people get exploited and some people get taken advantage of. Um, 
Yeah. I think it's time to fight. I think it's time to to stop laying down on some of these issues and ignoring them and and just kind of brushing them under the rug because maybe they just haven't hit home. They haven't hit personally yet. I don't know. I look at the numbers. I look at the increase across the board and and so much. um, I mean, just go look at the statistics of porn use in the past few years. It's crazy. It'll blow your mind. And I just look at that trend and I say, it's coming. It's coming for all of us because there's going to be, there's going to be just no chance of escape if we don't start pushing back a little bit on this industry that's just taking over everything. Uh, the normalization of pornography, the normalization of porn stars, the normalization of the industry is by design. It's not an accident that a multi-billion dollar industry is doing a little bit of PR. It's not by accident that uh, we're meant to believe that it increases and, and betters sexual experiences within marriages and relationships. The, there's no evidence of this. <laughs> there's little, there's literally, I mean, you could say like anecdotally, it's helped me in my relationship. I'd like to talk to you for five minutes. Um, both you and your partner, because uh, from what I've heard from people that are in the industry, nothing that's going on in pornography is pleasurable. And if you're bringing that stuff back into the bedroom, Somebody's losing. <laughs> Somebody's losing in the relationship. Uh, yeah. But that's another that's another issue for another day. I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you all for listening to this rant. I hope to be back again maybe tomorrow. I'm going to try to do this more regularly and just uh, talk to you about things that are are popping up in my mind or popping up on my phone or popping up in culture, uh, music, life, and talk about it with you. Share my thoughts. You can leave your thoughts in the comments. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you disagree. Let me know if you agree. Let me know. Give me a thumbs up, thumbs down. Doesn't matter. Uh, I'm just glad that you guys are here and that you're listening, and I appreciate you all. Uh, Make sure before you leave, subscribe. I don't care about the notification bell. You have enough notifications in your life. You don't have to have one for me. Um, But if you like this video, give it a thumbs up, subscribe. That'll be cool. All right. Love you all.